Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is Lime producer Brian Kaczynski. Hi, my name is Brian Kaczynski and I'm a freelance television producer and line producer working in television drama specifically. Assembling the right team to take a script from the page and bring it to life on screen, Brian's job is to make visions a reality, all the while focusing on the crew and keeping an eye on budget and strategy. His current role as a line producer has seen him work on major period dramas that include BBC Two's Peaky Blinders and The Cry, a four-part series for BBC One currently filming between Australia and Edinburgh. Each job brings a, a different thing to it, a different sort of challenge. You go to foreign countries, I've filmed in France, I've filmed in Iceland. You really learn every time you go because everyone does stuff just a little bit different uh, and it's a learning curve. Different producers have different strengths. I come from a background of production, so I'm used to running budgets, logistics, but I would say I am able to look at the, that and apply it creatively. My, I suppose, if it's a pretentious word, but my mantra is spend your money well. That gets the best result for, for the end of the show. So yes, a degree of numeracy, an understanding of how a film crew works, so you could, you could understand how a schedule works and the time it takes, and also creatively, what's important, what's creatively important for the story that you're trying to tell. Understanding what, what to prioritize at, at what time is one of the great skills in filmmaking. My father was in the army, so I was going to join the army. And then I got a bit rebellious about the age of 15, and that was obviously not going to happen. And I genuinely did not have a thought about anything. I studied drama as a young man, uh, and I did a diploma in drama, and I was a bit young. I don't think I really got that much from it. And I went to work in theatre, which I enjoyed, and then I went to work in television. But years later, I did a history, and I got a history degree with the Open University, and I finished it at the University of Dundee. Would I say it directly helped, either one of them helped my work? Yeah, maybe because it got me a start in theatre drama because it was directly related. But I would say, no, it didn't. But what it did for me was it, it helped me organise my thoughts. It was good after all these years to write essays, to, to think. Yeah, it, bring, it brings an indirect benefit. And I, I think the more you know of, of, of the world, it doesn't have to be history. It can be art, it can be culture, it can be current affairs, it can be rock and roll, it can be punk music from the 70s. If you enjoy finding out things and finding out stories, I think it, it, it's good. It, helped, it, it trains the mind. And it was great in a world where you're not able to focus on anything to have something to focus on. So yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I worked in theatre and I loved it. I really loved it. I thought I would stay in theatre. Um, then I got offered a chance to, to, to work in it and, I, and, and maybe because I only worked in it for about three and a half, four years maybe, three and a half, I thought I would be back and forth between the discipline, but I, I, I didn't, but I certainly, it was, it was my postgrad. I realized I worked at the Traverse Theatre in Edinburgh and as a sort of stage manager, assistant stage manager, sort of deputy, and, and we did foreign tours. And it was, that was my like postgrad because people from around the world came to that theatre to work for not a lot of money, but I realized what talent was 
um, in a way that I hadn't understood as a young man. Um, I was still a young man, but there were, that was good. I remember becoming a location manager for the first time on a thing called Dr. Finley's Casebook, which STV had made. It was a remake of the original sort of 1960s, 70s series. And it was quite, a, quite for the time, quite a high-budget period drama. And I had no idea what I was doing. They, they gave me the job uh, just because I was around and they quite liked me. And I'm, that's fear. That was fear of actually letting everyone down. So if anything, probably a fault. I worry about letting people down every single day of my life. And that was a chance where I really was going to let everyone down. I didn't know what I was doing. So, But I survived it. I, I, it was a major TV drama, period drama, taking over a town centre, painting the town, sheep being driven through the, the streets of the town, stuff like that, and organised it. And I survived. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, and I wouldn't put anyone in that position. But, um, yeah, I survived it, and you learn a lot. I would say the job of line producer is probably the closest thing I've seen in the outside world is project manager, is the way of defining it, or fixer. People that are good as, as line producers tend to be good negotiators, but the best one, not, not the hardest negotiators definitely, but the ones that are the, the fairest with crew and cast, etc. the fairest with the resources that you've got. I don't pat myself on the back because I've got somebody really, really cheap. I try to give, be as honest as I can with the resources that I've got. A fixer and a problem solver. I would say a, a, that that's what you do. You go, somebody comes to, I'll use Peaky, how do you make a series about 1920s or, or post-First World War Birmingham in the slums of Birmingham or Small Heath or, or, or the working class areas? How do you do it? Now, a lot of that was done before I started, a lot of, a lot of research, but actually when you get down to the, how, how do you... Um, do that, or how do you make a drama about um, uh, Dickensian London, or how do you make a drama about firefighters in central London, or it, you've got to think about, right, how, how do we think out the box, how do, we, how do we get this done in a world where no one lives in slums anymore, because quite rightly they're gone. Um, so yeah, it, that, that's, that's really what I would say, it's, it's using the resources and the money to get the best result you can and solve the problems. Reflecting on his time in industry, Brian has seen the effect which on-demand television has had on filmmaking and how the industry is shifting accordingly. This is a particularly interesting time in British television. Now, a couple of years ago, there was a change where they brought out the tax credit for high-end television in the United Kingdom, which means that if you are making a production that qualifies as a production in, in, in Britain and is spending a million pounds an hour, you can get a rebate from the UK government of 25% of 80% of the production budget. So if all of your spend is that, so that's a real incentive for foreign companies, but also indigenous British companies to up their game in terms of, of, of the resources that are available. Also, there is a demand for content with the advent of video on demand, subscription video on demand outlets, such as Netflix, Amazon. But there's a demand for drama content that we are devouring hungrily. I myself have seen my habits of, of, of drama watching and, and drama making change. I would sit down to a 10-part drama and that would be my autumn's watching on a Wednesday night. I'm finding I'm devouring that series in a weekend. 
that's, that's content hungry. So in the competitive market of, of, of wanting subscribers to sign up to these things, they're wanting new and more. So you're finding Netflix and Amazon, if not commissioning these programs directly, are looking to acquire um, that, and that's bringing another income stream into the market, which is, which is making us able to set our sites higher. So a mixture of the tax credit and new potential income streams. And also, I think that television is replacing the middle ground of filmmaking because it's been so difficult for filmmakers to get their product into cinemas for any amount of time. Whereas if you can get your product onto a video on demand channel, it's there and word of mouth spreads. And people say, have you seen that series? So the water cooler moments, I think, are becoming about television. Britain is particularly well placed to take advantage of that. We have a huge talent base. We speak English, which is is, is about, um, we have actors that are, we're lucky in that. It's it's not something that, it's something that's an asset that we've, we've sort of let go with uh, subsidies in theatre sort of decreasing, that they can make it that, but we are, at the moment, and touch wood, it's not that quite an attractive prospect for, for foreign investment, but also domestic. Like the BBC are not having to foot the bill for the whole series now, other people are coming in with finance. Advice I would give to somebody who wants to do something similar, get, try and get involved somehow, just um, speak to, find out from local film officers what's going on, stick your name up to work on a short film, because, I mean, somebody turning up to, to, to a film or television set for the first time, like a, like a decent-sized thing, it must be quite... I mean, you forget, because we, you, you do it every day of your life, so you just think, oh, that's, uh, that's what's over there, those are the trucks, everything's, that's what we're doing, and there's the marquee, here come the horses and carts and stuff like that. But it must be quite a bewildering sort of thing to come into. So I always think, get involved in it, find out the dynamics of a of how a set works. Look at the different jobs. Because the other thing is, it might not be for you. That's the, the, the thing is on that. So do your research, try and make contacts, help out, find out how, it, how a thing works. But if you get a job, do well. That's, that's, that's not what I just go, right, if your job is to set up tables for a production meeting and lay out things and put it, put it, set it up well. Do you know what I mean? Get the name cards in the right place. Make sure everyone's got a clean glass. Do you know what I mean? Just do it well. And because there's no them that, and then I just need people to do do stuff, and it's done, and it's done, and and if they and if you can do it a little, if you can add a bit extra value to it, you notice those people. Like anyone can sort of hang around a, a set, but if somebody's actually watching, learning, um, thinking ahead, polite to people, I mean, half the job, half the skill of the job is getting people to do things that quite a lot of the time they don't want to do. So you, you you're always sort of going, oh, well, I need this, I need that. So I, I think try and get involved and if you do get involved no matter at what level focus on doing the job that you're doing really really well don't think I'm going to be a director I'm going to that I don't know think it but put it in the back of your head and just do the job in front of you and then people like having you around people think you're useful they'll give you a bit more to do and you get a bit and that's all I've done people since 1989 have just given me every year a bit more to do and that's, that's pretty much it, really. I didn't go, I'm going to be doing this or I'm going to be doing that. I just engaged in the freelance world and every year people gave me a bit more to do. 
This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Marianne Hanoon, and the guest was Brian Kaczynski. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand patrons. They include Us2, GF Smith, Squarespace, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com.